Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter, the 15th verse. Choose you this day whom ye will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus, you who are here in God's house, you Christian friends who are worshiping with us this morning by means of the radio, and especially you, the 55 girls and boys, of the confirmation class. This is a beautiful day, isn't it, for Palm Sunday? And I hope that all of us are glad for this day of life and for the privilege that is ours of worshiping our God at this time. You know, boys and girls, what I would like for this day, if I had my wish, if I had my wish, I would like on this Palm Sunday to be in Jerusalem. And I would like to have all 55 of you, you 28 girls and 27 boys with me. If I were in Jerusalem this morning on this beautiful Palm Sunday, you know what I'd do? I would gather all of you, and I would have gathered you earlier this morning, and I would have said, come on, we're going up to the Mount of Olives, and I would have taken you up there. And then I would have said, now let's line up the way uh, we did this morning, two by two. And I would say to you, now we're going to march down the Palm Sunday Road. You know, I walked that road just about ten years ago. It isn't paved, it's dusty, but I'd want you all dressed up as you girls are in your white dresses and you boys in your suits. And I'd like to start down, if I were there this morning, down the Palm Sunday Road, going by the Garden of Gethsemane on our left, walking down, and as we would walk down that Palm Sunday road, crossing the Brook Kedron, I would have all of us sing, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. You know, I wouldn't care to hoot if you were a monotone and you just couldn't sing, because I know that we'd all sing from the heart, and I know that Jesus, the Palm Sunday King, would be pleased. You see, this is a great day because, boys and girls, centuries ago on this day, Jesus rode down that Palm Sunday road. He did something that he had never done before in his three years of public ministry. He had spent that Saturday night in Bethany with Mary and Martha and Lazarus, and there were hundreds of thousands of pilgrims that had come into the city of Jerusalem, and especially from Galilee, they wanted to see this Jesus because they had heard that he had raised a man by the name of Lazarus from the dead, and that that man had been dead for four days. And so early on this Palm Sunday morning, they came out to Bethany, and they wanted to see this Jesus. And then Jesus decided that he would fulfill a prophecy that Zechariah, who lived centuries before that first Palm Sunday, had said and foretold, that Zechariah said, I tell Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And Jesus decided on this day, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. And so they started. And there were a lot of pilgrims with them. This is that Jesus that had raised Lazarus. And when they got to the Mount of Olives, Jesus told two of his disciples, he said, go over in that little village of Bethphage, and you'll find a mother donkey, and you'll find a colt. Bring them both. You see, he loved animals. He, he said, bring the colt 
and then be sure and bring the mother with the colt so that the, the colt just won't get lonesome. And so they brought both of them. And when someone said, what are you doing? They said, well, the master, the Lord wants these. And so they brought them and the disciples put their clothes on again on the donkey and on the colt. And then uh, this colt had never had anybody ride it before. And Jesus got on. And then, boys and girls, they started down this Palm Sunday road. And here were pilgrims coming out to see him. And there were pilgrims behind. And as they came down, there were boys and girls in that great throng, as well as men and women. And they began to realize who he was. And they began to sing to him, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That was the first Palm Sunday. And oh, I'd love to have had you there this morning. And we may say, well, because there were boys and girls who sang their hosannas, you can see why Palm Sunday and, and children just go together. And that's why today, Palm Sunday, boys and girls, this is Confirmation Day. You know, the word to confirm means to ratify something, doesn't it? It means to put your okay on it. It means to say, yes, that's what I want to do. It means to give your approval to something. And you may say, well, this is my confirmation day. This is the day when I give approval. Uh, to what do I confirm or give my approval? I'd like to tell you, we talked about this in class, you know. Most of you, you know, you were baptized in infancy. Mom and dad brought you as little babes and they presented you to the Lord in holy baptism. Uh, you were born again by water and the Spirit. You became a Christian on the day of your baptism and they gave you a name. The Lord Jesus came to live within your hearts and he put a faith in your heart even though you didn't know it. It was an unconscious faith. And on that day of your baptism, your father and mother and your godfather and godmother, if you had sponsors, uh, they, they made a vow to the Lord Jesus that day. They said, this my son, this my daughter, I promise uh, they will remain true to you, Lord Jesus, because you have now claimed them and you have saved them. And they also made a promise to Jesus that day. They said, and we will bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We will instruct them. And if you wonder why you came to catechism, it was because on the day of your baptism, not only did your parents present you to Jesus and not only did you become a Christian, but on that day they promised that you would be instructed. And so you see, catechism days came. And uh, when I had you write me a letter, you know, one day, uh, most of you, why you griped, and I expected you to, but most of you griped and you said, well, when we got to catechism, it was all right, but you just hated to get up early. Well, I suppose there are a lot of people here this morning that hate to get up early, but you know, it made me feel good to know that y you did like catechism. And so uh, you were instructed, and now today you're going to confirm that promise that they made on the day of your baptism. Uh, you're going to speak for yourself. You see, now you've been trained to know who Jesus is, and they're waiting for you to say, Lord Jesus, I'm going to be faithful and true to you, not because my father and mother gave me to you in baptism, but because I, I want to be loyal and faithful and true. They're waiting to hear you speak for yourself. You're going to confirm it. You're going to renew that baptismal vow. You're going to approve it. You're going to put your okay on that. And looking for a word of God, I thought it would be so appropriate that we would bring you the word of God from the Old Testament, from the book of Joshua. I think you remember Joshua. Joshua was the man, you know, who followed Moses as the great leader of the children of Israel. And we find Joshua here. It's at the end of his life. He's 110 years old at this time. 
He had accomplished what God gave him to do. And I would remind you that when Moses came to Mount Sinai and God spoke the Ten Commandments, you remember that then God had Moses come up into Mount Sinai and God took two tablets of stone and he broke the Ten Commandments with his finger on the tablets. Well, the Word of God tells us that Joshua was along. Joshua was up on Mount Sinai with Moses when God wrote the law. And now at the end of his life, this is his farewell address to the children of Israel. He tells them, I'm 110 years old now, and I want to bid you farewell. And he said, this is what I want to tell you. And he said, they said, choose you this day, he says, whom ye will serve. I want you to decide today, decide it once and for all, whom are you going to serve? Whom are you going to love? Whom are you going to trust? Whom are you going to put your faith in? Then he said, and as for me and my house, if you want to know what we're going to do, we're going to serve the Lord. So Joshua, speaking from the word of God, my young friends, the saying to you this morning, young friends, this is your confirmation day. I call on you, choose you this day uh, whom you will serve. And he is saying, and I hope you'll do what I did and what my family did. We decided on that day we were going to serve the Lord. And he is saying to you, I hope that this is your decision. I hope that you will confirm that promise that your parents made in your stead on the day of your baptism. I hope you will renew that baptismal vow and you will choose, I'm going to serve the Lord. But young friends, you may say to me this morning, well, Reverend, after all, I'm only about 14 years of age. And you may say, Joshua was 110. This was his farewell address. You may say, what kind of a life will I have? You may say, I'm going to pledge my allegiance to Jesus and I am going to choose the Lord today. Will mine be a happy life? Will it be a life that it's going to be worth living? Will it be uh, such a nice life that if I had it to live over again, I'd do it the same? Uh, will I be able to have a spring in my walk that I'll feel joyous? And uh, will I be able to walk on tiptoe? And Joshua would like to remind you this morning when he would say to you, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Do what I and my family decided to do. We decided to serve the Lord because Joshua would say, Remember, boys and girls, I was up on Mount Sinai and I watched God with his finger write the law, the Ten Commandments, on the two tablets of stone. And I want to assure you that if you will pledge your allegiance and you will confirm that promise this morning on your Palm Sunday, that you will find your life's going to be worth living. Because in the first place, Joshua would remind you that to go ahead and choose the Lord as your master and as your savior, it means this. It means that you will have no other gods before him. Joshua was up there, you know, and he saw God write on those tablets, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know those words, don't you? We talked about them in catechism. In other words, God said, I want you to put me first. And what does God want? Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What Jesus wants first out of all of us who have been baptized is that we put him first as our Lord and as our Savior. You remember in catechism we spent quite a bit of time, didn't we, in talking about Christ? We mentioned that he was God the Son. We mentioned that he came out of the ivory palaces and he came into this world. He was born a human being at Christmas time, born of the Virgin Mary, that he was true God and he was true man. Remember we talked about him going to Calvary's cross as the God-man and he bore hell and damnation for you and me and he bore and thereby gained a robe of righteousness for all of us. Uh, that again, when we put our faith and trust in him, we are saved. We spent quite a bit of time, didn't we, in taking a look at Jesus Christ. And therefore, uh, when Joshua would say, uh, uh, choose today, remember God says, put Jesus first. He says, I assure you that's going to be a life worth living because at the end of life, 
you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. I don't know of any greater blessing that could come to you or to me or to any man than to know that when death comes and eternity faces us, that we shall be welcomed by Jesus into the eternal mansions. Do you know of anything any greater than that? It must be a wonderful place to go to and to be saved when God came into the world and for you and me, he died on the cross and bore hell for us. That was a tremendous price. I'd like to ask, have you ever been lost? Did you ever get lost? I did as a boy. I'm sure most of us have. Isn't that a horrible feeling to suddenly realize you're lost and you don't know where you're at and there's nobody around that you know? It's terrible, isn't it? And I suppose we all cried out for our mother. I know I did. It's a horrible feeling. What must it be to be lost eternally? No wonder your Lord and mine said one day, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his own soul? So again, this joy will be yours and you'll never regret it. But at the end of life's way, eternal life. Joshua would say, young friends, you do what I did and my family did. You choose this day whom you're going to serve and let it be the Lord. Because he would say, this is what it means. It means that you shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we talked about that, didn't we? You say, well, that's the second commandment. We talked about God's name, if you remember in catechism. And we said God's name is, again, it's a lot of things, a lot of names that he's given, but actually it's anything that tells us about God. And we said why God's name is actually his word. In Sunday school this morning, each one of you was given a Bible. You were given the Bible called the Living Bible. Not that, again, it is important because of its cost, but I would like to remind you that that Living Bible, or the Paraphrase Bible, and it's a very fine translation, exalting Jesus, that if you were to go to buy that Bible having your name imprinted on it, it would cost you about $10. There are 55 in the class. We have a member of the church who each year says uh, that he wants to give a Bible to each confirmand. You know, it's rather strange that somebody would say, I don't mind the cost. I want those kids to have a Bible. And this is the one that was chosen. And I want you to know there are several lined up in the congregation who have said to me, if the person now giving them should decide that that person cannot afford it, let me know. I never want to see a class that will be confirmed at Emmanuel without someone giving a Bible. And if you will have your quiet hour, if every day you will take your Bible and you will look at it and you will find Christ whom we talked about, and you will have your hour of prayer, I assure you that something's going to happen in your life. You're going to get to know him better. You're going to grow that he will be the grandest friend you've ever had. You will get to know him that makes life worth living. That he will not just be hearsay for you, he will be experienced. Joshua would have you know that when, again, when you choose Jesus Christ, it's going to be a life, oh, again, you'll be walking on tiptoe, you'll have a spring to your voice again and to your life because, again, you will praise him. Joshua would say, you, you want to know what it means to surrender and what it means to choose Jesus Christ as your Lord? Joshua would say it means this, to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, the Lord's day. It means when you have surrendered to Christ, it means that when his day comes, uh, that you will say, thank God it's Sunday. Uh, this is the day that uh, God wants it to be sort of a little bit of heaven on earth. You know, we in Emmanuel here, young folks, we've got a, a Emmanuel 1000 club. I know most of you have already joined it, and I hope that you join it today. That means that you'll be in church every Sunday, unless God makes it impossible to come to church. And you may say, why? 
Why, again, this ought to be a little bit of heaven on earth when we gather ourselves with other Christians and we praise our God and God speaks to us and we sing our songs of praise to him. And you may say, what good does that do? You know, in your letters that you wrote to me, I said to some of you, if you want to share any problems you've got, you may tell me and no one will ever know about them. And many of you did. And, you know, sometimes I know we older folks, we think, well, these are the happiest years of your life. These, again, you have no problems. But I know differently. I know you do have problems. And many of you cried out your heart and you were telling me again how you cry on your pillow and what problems you have. But isn't it wonderful? You'll come to church some Sunday and you'll be so overburdened and you'll be so filled with grief. Yes, even though you're only about 14. You'll go out of church some Sunday and you'll say, God spoke to me especially this morning. That, that sermon just fit me. It gives me courage and it gives me strength for the day. These are some of the joys that we come to and that we appreciate when we come into God's house. Oh, Joshua says, listen, you choose today whom you're going to serve. And he says, you do what I and my family have done, and you'll never regret it. It will, it will be like, oh, sort of on tiptoe. You have a spring to your walk. It'll mean something. Because he says, choosing Christ, he would remind you of me. He says, it means dishonor your father and your mother. We had a lot of talk on that one. Remember that? Because some of you say, do I have to obey my parents? Do I have to obey mom? Do I have to obey dad? And some of you in your letter, you said, oh, sometimes I think they're, they're too hard on me. They ground me for the least little things. But then some of you said, I know maybe they've been hard on me, but I love them. And some of you said in your letter, oh, I've got the finest mother and dad in the world, even though at times I think they're a bit harsh. You know, I would like to just say in their defense this. Do you realize, boys and girls, that... Mom and dad stand in the place of Jesus Christ in the home. They're his proxies. And you know that they've got to give an account someday as the way they raised you. That if something should happen to you, that Jesus will say to Mom, Dad, did you do your job? Mom, Dad, did, did church mean something? Did you go? Did you go to church with them? Did you train them? Did they learn how to pray at home? Uh, are you responsible for the fact that they've wandered away? And you know, if they're just a little bit hard on you, you forgive them, won't you? Because, you see, they, they have a tremendous responsibility. Someday they've got to tell Jesus Christ how they reared you. And I hope that, again, that they can say, we did the best that we know how. So, again, when it comes to honoring parents, Josh would remind you, he saw God right with his finger up there on Mount Sinai, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. You remember we said in Catechism of the, of the Ten Commandments, there's only one with a special promise, and it's this one. God said, if it's well with you, for your good, I'll let you live longer. I'll give you the blessing of long life. If you would like to live long and see good days, then let there be an honoring of father and mother. And let me tell you this, when you've learned obedience, then life's pathway becomes something because the obedient child is the happy child. Joshua says... Today, he said, choose this day, young friends, whom you're going to serve. I'd like to tell you, he says, that as far as I'm concerned in my family, we, we cast our lots for the Lord. And he would say, I want you to serve Jesus Christ. And I promise you that, oh, you can live life. It's going to be a life worth living. You'll, you'll never regret it. Because he would say, remember, it means this, that thou shalt not kill. He was up on Mount Sinai with Moses. He saw God write down, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not murder. You may say, well, I've never murdered anybody, but you know the Lord says this, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. You know what hatred is. It's murder in the heart, isn't it? 
And Joshua would say, listen, young fans, don't let murder in the heart ever get an abiding place. Don't hate anybody. Don't let hatred and ill will and a grudge against someone else ever fill your soul because that's murder in the sight of God and that means you're going to be lost. He would have you have a forgiving spirit. Don't let anybody reduce you as children of God to children of Satan. Don't let anybody make you hate them. And when again you realize that you're not going to hate and there's going to be a forgiving spirit and you're going to go out and you're going to love your fellow man and you're going to show mercy even to your enemies, young friend, the world is crying for somebody to love them. Let me assure you, life's going to be worth living when you say nobody's going to make me hate my fellow man. I'm going to love my fellow man in deeds of kindness and mercy. Perhaps again, you can avoid a war. Perhaps you can avoid a great conflict. This means a life worth living. Joshua would say, don't be afraid. Joshua would say, choose today, young friends, whom you're going to serve. As far as I'm concerned and my family, we cast our lots for the Lord. And he'd say, you do it, you'll never regret it. Because you may say, well, what does it mean to choose him? Oh, you became his own on the day of baptism that most of you don't even remember. Today you're confirming it and you may say, I, I, I want a life worth living. I, I want joy. I want happiness. And Joshua would say to you, to go ahead and choose the Lord, it means thou shalt not commit adultery. Remember, we spoke quite at length in class on this one, didn't we? We talked about adultery to adulterate something that is good. Remember I told you, you young girls, the time was coming in puberty that you were becoming young women. And you boys, that you were now by, again, a great act of God, you were becoming young men. And we talked about sex and we said, this is something that God has given. This is a wonderful blessing that God made us male and female. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a human race. And we said, so sex is a very fine thing, a blessing of God. But God says, set it apart and use it for marriage. This is where we are to use it. And you see, we adulterate it if we use it apart from marriage. And it brings so many heartaches and tragedies. It brings its own sicknesses, its own diseases. It brings to men, again, that some men lose their minds in the sicknesses of an impure life. And I know that this is the age of temptation, young friends, when, again, there are boys that are trying to sell you dope and trying to make you believe that you can be cheap and you can be popular. But remember that Joshua was up on, he was on Mount Sinai and he saw God write, Thou shalt not commit adultery. And may I say, keep yourself clean. Those white dresses ought to mean something today. The purity. And those flowers you boys are wearing, it ought to mean something in purity. May I assure you that the virtuous life, it has its own rewards. It means this, the best chance in the world for a happy marriage and to have a sound mind and a sound body. Let me assure you, that is a blessing that you and I, if we have it, we ought to appreciate. And oh, we ought to guard it. Don't let anybody soil your body. Don't let anybody soil your mind. Don't let anybody by temptation ever cause you to lose your soul. That kind of a life, it just isn't worth living. Joshua says, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. This is your confirmation day. 
And so many sitting back there, they're waiting. You're going to speak for yourself today. Joshua would say, I promise you, I, I'm 110 years old, he told the children of Israel that day. He said, I'm looking back over my life. This is my farewell address to you, he's telling them. And I want you to know, choose. As I and my family have chosen, choose to serve the Lord. Why? Because he reminds you that it also means that thou shalt not steal. You may say, well, I, I'm no thief. I don't steal. But isn't it a wonderful thing to learn this, that we don't steal, to know that we're stewards of Jesus Christ, that what we have has come from him, and very shortly you're going to receive offering envelopes from the church. And while I surely am not preaching money to you know that's a good thing, I hope you use these offering boxes. When you use them, you may only give a penny a Sunday. It may be money that you haven't earned that mom and dad give you, but let me tell you this. When you learn to use, again, the box of envelopes or the offering envelopes that are given you, every time you put a gift in, you will be reminded of the fact that what you have, God gave you first. And you will be reminded that you are his steward. You will be reminded that you are trusting God. And that's going to mean this in your life. When you have learned to share with God, it's going to bring this joy that God's going to take care of you. He will see that you have something to eat and you've got something to drink and that you've got clothes to put on and a roof over your head until your mission and plan in life are completed. Believe you me, that's joy. I like to say this and I believe it with all my heart that death will never come to you, it'll never come to me, it'll never come to anybody within the sound of my voice until in Jesus Christ that mission and that plan in life is completed. You and I are immortal. Tell again our plan and our mission you know of any greater joy than to say our life hasn't been lived in vain? It's been again. It's been the fulfillment of a mission in Jesus Christ. That's life worth living, boys and girls. And you'll, you'll never regret that. Joshua reminds you it also means this, this business of choosing to serve the Lord. means not to bear false witness against your neighbor. It means not to lie. Not to lie. Oh, again, we talked about lying, speaking the untruth, but we also found that God in his word, he says, he says, speak the truth in love. But sometimes the truth hurts. Remember we talked about that? We may know a lot of things about people and there's no reason to tell it. It serves no good. It serves no neighbor's purpose. And we say it only to wound. We don't have to tell everything we know. Even the truth sometimes hurts and it cuts. God says, speak the truth in love. And young friends, when you speak the truth in love, you're going to have friends. People are going to love you. Some of you in your letters you wrote and you said, I wished I was a little more popular in school. I feel that nobody likes me. Some of you even said, I don't think mom and dad like me. And may I just give you a little secret in the Christian life. You, when you speak the truth, be sure you love. Be sure that it comes where you have a love and concern. And I'd like to promise you, you're going to have friends. You'll have friends who love you. Because, you see, you've got to be a friend in order to have a friend. Here was Joshua. He had friends. He was 110 years old. But he learned to love and to speak the truth in love. And Joshua would remind you, oh, it's going to be a life worth living because it's going to mean this, that thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, nor his wife, nor his maidservant, nor his manservant, nor his cattle, nor anything that is thy neighbor's, you know. Joshua was up there on Mount Sinai, and he saw God write that down, thou shalt not covet. You know, to covet, oh, that's one of these burning desires to get what we have no right to have. We can only sin by doing it. 
You know, when we get covetous of what other people have, we get jealous of them and we hate them and uh, we get envious and we get miserly. Then we don't appreciate anything that we have. We know the cost of everything, but we don't appreciate a thing. But, oh, let's be godly. Let's be satisfied with what we have. When we are godly and when we trust Christ for our needs and when we are satisfied, then there comes the joy of a grateful heart that we can stop and say, Thanks, Jesus, for what I do have. Thanks for the health that you've given me. Thanks for the blessings that you've given me. Thanks for my home. Thanks for my mom and dad. Thanks for even the adversities of life because, Lord Jesus, you love me. Joshua was 110 years old, young friends, when he said that. God had blessed him. You know, he was just a little over the age of 20 when they left Egypt. Remember that came to Mount Sinai at the end of the first year, and then God told Moses to go on to Kadesh Barnea. That was the southern tip of the land of Canaan that God had said the children of Israel would have. And God says, now I want you to go in and spy out the land. And then he says, I want you to take the land. You remember they sent 12 tribes. Uh, the 12 tribes took 12 spies, and they went into the land of Canaan. And amongst them, well, there were Joshua and Caleb. And remember that they came back and they were bringing a cluster of grapes and it was so big that they had brought out of the land of Canaan. They wanted to show, said, oh, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Look at this cluster. It took two men to carry it and they had a pole between and they carried it again shoulder to shoulder. Here was that tremendous cluster of grapes. And the ten spies, though, they said, oh, the people in the land of Palestine, the Canaanites, they're, they're so big, they're giants and we look like grasshoppers. We can't take the land. But it was Joshua and Caleb that said, wait a minute, people. God says we're to go in and take the land. Let's go in. God will give us the victory. And they said, no, our children will be destroyed if we go in. So you remember God at Kadesh Barney, he said, all right. He said, Joshua and Caleb, you're above 20. You're the only two that will go in. Everybody over the age of 20 will die in the wilderness. You'll wander around for another 38 years, making 40 and all. And your children will go in. Well, Joshua got to go in. They came up then to Mount Pisgah, and Moses died there. But before Moses died, he, he told Joshua, he says, God is telling me, Joshua, that I am to anoint you. You are to take over my job. And Joshua did. And after the death of Moses, Joshua lined up the children. He said, we're going to cross the Jordan. And he lined up again the priests in the Ark of the Covenant, and they started to walk to the Jordan. And boys and girls, when they got to the River Jordan, it was overflowing at the time. The waters of the Jordan parted, and they walked through on dry ground, just as Moses, by the power of God, had had the waters of the Red Sea to part. And they got over in the Promised Land, and Joshua was leaving them, and God said, there's Jericho, the first city that you are to take on this side of the Jordan. And God said, all that I want you to do, take the place in the Ark of the Covenant, some of you, so march around the city of Jericho once each day for six days, and on the seventh day, march around it seven times, and then shout and see what happens. You know, they did that. And Joshua, again, on the seventh day, they marched around seven times, and they shouted, and the walls of Jericho fell down with a tremendous earthquake. And God gave the children of Israel the land of Canaan. And uh, this man, Joshua, was able to he settled it and he divided the tribes, two and a half tribes on the west, on the eastern side of the uh, River Jordan and the rest of the tribes on the west. And then came the day, as I say, when he was telling them farewell. He was 110. And he was saying to them, as I look back in my life, he said, this is what I would say to you. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My 35th, 
confirmation class. 35. Would be interesting to know how many of you have a mother or a father or both who were confirmed as a child in my ministry. Would you mind raising your hands? How many of you had, all right, second time around, quite a number, 35 classes. And I'm very proud today. I'm going to miss you tremendously. Some of you have said you're going to miss catechism. We'll, we'll miss some of the good times. You know, uh, that which keeps a minister young is the catechism classes. You kept me young because I, I had to be young to get along, and we, we've had some very good times, haven't we? And today, I'm going to read your name, and Bev on the organ is going to sound a chime, and that's going to ring out that everybody here and those that are listening will know that this is your confirmation, Jesus Christ. And I hope you won't be afraid. I hope that this will be the greatest decision day in your life because you became his on the day of your baptism and today you're speaking for yourself. Mom and Dad are waiting to hear you say it. They have one great desire, that is that you be in heaven with them. Don't miss it. And as I look back over 35 years, do you have any idea how many boys and girls that God has permitted me to confirm in my ministry? I'll tell you, there have been 1,171, counting you today. You know, this is my prayer for you. I hope that when the saints go marching in, I hope that I can be at the head of Emmanuel's contingency of you boys and girls that behind me marching two and two will be 1171. And my prayer and earnest wish is this, that by the grace of God that I will be saved, that I can say to the Lord Jesus when the saints go marching in, here's Emmanuel's contingent, 1171. And Lord, they're all accounted for. We haven't lost a one. I hope that I could say that. That's my wish. That is my prayer. Because I love you. And I, I have you in my heart. God bless you. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding Keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and a life everlasting. Amen.